Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another very special episode of Two Years Away, formerly known as the 140 and 146 podcast, formerly known as the Jeff Supon of podcasts. Uh, I'm Brett, and I'm here, as always, with our friend Steve. Steve, how are you doing? Doing, doing well. Uh, how are you doing, Brett? I'm doing, I'm doing all right. Um, as you know, as as longtime listeners of the podcast will know, uh, we're we're in a very like sweet spot, uh, so to speak, between the uh, the high energy uh, end of the NBA Finals and our one of our favorite days of the year, uh, the NBA Draft. Um, and just just kind of to set the stage for for the listeners, um, this is going to be kind of a two part episode. So right right now, this is this is episode thirty six point seven five. Uh, the finals preview, if you, for those who are paying attention, was 30, episode 36.5. Um, and we're just going to do a quick breakdown of the finals, um, some things we saw, um, some things we would have liked to have seen, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, at, simultaneously, we will be posting at, um, our NBA draft preview. So uh, have no fear when, if and when you notice that uh, this is a shorter episode. We're just doing some quick finals takes. And then we will get to the good stuff of the NBA draft. Because um, why talk about actual basketball when you can talk about hypothetical basketball for way longer? Um, but anyways, so with, with that in mind, uh, Steve's prediction did come true. Uh, the Bucks did win the NBA Finals four games to two over the Suns. Um, so Buck, Bucks in six, all that. Uh, the prophet Brandon Jennings has truly uh, made an impact. I like They have to give him like courtside seats forever now, right? Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say I'd like to thank my inspiration, Brandon Jennings, for uh, for, for getting that pick right. And um, I guess uh, maybe it's my fault that I didn't put any actual money on it. But you know, still feels good to be right every once in a while. Yeah, and I I think it's it's especially interesting given that the the Bucks went down 0-2 after the first two games in Phoenix and then reeled off four straight wins. Um, and then obviously the the deciding game in in Milwaukee. Um, and I guess I guess to kind of start from a macro level, like what did you notice that like they changed the Bucks changed uh, in between games games one and two, and then when they really started putting it together uh, and and making like the winning plays. So my two, and I guess these aren't necessarily two things that that the Bucks did, but I think my two biggest observations of macro things that changed. The first two games for the last four were number one. Um, Phoenix did an incredible job of of picking their matchups in games one and two, and just kind of going after them. So whether it was Lopez or Pat Coddington, uh, they 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 basically tore those guys to shred to shreds. And yeah, you know, it's a, a little bit of one on one, you know, in order to do that, which you know may not have been sustainable, but it didn't look like the Bucks were going to respond to that after kind of sticking with that, you know, switching strategy and, and kind of praying um, in the first two games. And, and Phoenix really stopped um, forcing that in games three through six, which I think was, I think, the biggest thing that I noticed. Uh, but I think number two, uh, um, number two was that the Bucks were able to turn Chris Paul over, which no one really did throughout the playoffs up until then. Um, and while there were certainly, like, other plays or trends that, you know, also kind of impacted the Bucks' turnaround, I think, you know, to, what, what's the expression? Like, 
you know, in order to kill a snake, you got to cut off the head. And they kind of, like, they, they cut the head off, you know, starting with Chris Paul and everything kind of seemed to seem to fall, fall apart from there for the Suns offense. Yeah, remind me not to take you on my next snake hunting expedition. But, uh, no, I, I mean, you, you do raise a good point. And I think the key, I, I feel like in every game that the Suns lost, Paul made a few, like, at least one turnover, like, in the fourth quarter when the game was really tight. And, you know, that's a maybe that's a testament to uh, I mean, that's largely a testament to how well they played him, uh, especially down the stretch in games where he had started really taking over in games one and two. Um, But also, you know, I mean, it's his first finals appearance, like people people succumb to nerves sometimes. And I think it's just an interesting combination of that. But I mean, it was really I feel like when and I I don't necessarily have the timestamps to back this up or anything, but when the Suns really needed a bucket there was a turnover and that will obviously decrease your chances of winning. But yeah, I think the, the bucks really like made a point of just getting him out of the game. And he, you could tell, I mean, he really looked off uh, for large portions of each of the games that they lost. I also kind of have another like sub bullet um, to that. And really I, I thought, so the the use of DeAndre Ayton was a little bit mesmerizing, um, especially kind of comparing games one and two to three through six, um, because you know, they weren't like really at, at any point in the playoffs, like they weren't using Ayton. Um, they weren't trying to like force the ball in and dominate the game with him down there, but like right. he was getting post touches, you know, and they were, they were getting him high percentage looks. He was incredibly efficient throughout the entirety of the playoffs. And it seemed like that was going to continue with their strategy in game games one and two, but it, it felt like um, he just, he was not getting the, the touches down there uh, in the half court. He was still running the floor and, you know, um, he was still running the floor and, and put up, I think, okay stats, but his, his imprint was not felt um, on this game the same way that it was felt in the Denver series or the Clippers series. And I think that, uh, that was impactful, and I think that actually directly has a lot to do with with the fact that Giannis was matched up with him for a lot of it. Yeah, and I think part of it was also just the concerted effort on on Paul, like not letting him get comfortable and run run sets. I mean, the reason I think, you know, we, we saw Devin Booker just have a scoring explosion most games, and and he made a bunch of incredibly tough shots, but he basically had to. The Bucks were playing such good team defense that. You know, Aiton, like you said, Giannis was guarding him and, and made it way more difficult to get him the ball. And then they kind of just forced Booker into making all these really tough shots. And that's not sustainable. That's not, you know. Um, but, I mean, and also the big thing, Crowder, Jay Crowder started missing all of his threes. Bridges wasn't really able to make a ton of offensive impact. Um, and so I think it really just kind of, besides the, like, Aiton really just, for whatever reason, it looked like he kind of got game planned away from, which was odd. Um, but again, like you said, you know, Giannis, Giannis playing there has a, has a big, a big difference compared to him, him just posting up Brooke Lopez or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like the Bucks really just made sure that the Suns role players weren't going to help them win. And that was, and I, I guess I just, the thing, the thing that I'd say as well is that the, the margin was really tight in this series, right? Like I think, I mean, uh, there were. I think like what was game game four was no game three was kind of a blowout. Yeah, I think game, game one was a little bit of a blowout. Too, but but I think for the most part, like the 
the majority of the games in the series were really decided kind of down the stretch, which effectively means that it's it, it, these that feel like are really like little things that we're talking about that decided the series. Like, you know, we're not we're not even saying like you know one player played out of his mind and that was kind of because oftentimes you'll see like you just you go back to final series like remember like Danny Green like literally right. won, um, won a game in the final before. Sometimes you get these like weird performances from people you don't expect. Uh, I don't really think that happened here. I think it was just two teams playing really good basketball, playing their games. It was a couple of little things that that decided it. Um, and at the end of the day, I think it was just Giannis and Middleton made more big shots than Booker and Paul did, and, yep. and that won it for Milwaukee. Yeah, and I, and I think we saw Milwaukee being able to weather these st- these storms of offense from Phoenix better than Phoenix was able to weather them from from Milwaukee. Um, I mean, it starts. I mean, Game Five is an obvious example. They were down. I think that the the Suns were down what sixteen. Seventeen. At, okay, yeah, sixteen to seventeen. At I'm taking it. Yeah, at the end of the first quarter, and then Milwaukee came back and scored forty three points in the second quarter. Like to be able to sit and just not totally fall apart really as a team really shows a lot of, of mental fortitude. Um, and I, I, I do, I think, you know, we got to give credit where credit is due. Like Mike Budenholzer and Monty, Monty Williams for the most part, like both coached very good series. I don't really think there was an example of, I mean, obviously Phoenix kind of had its hand forced by losing Dario Saric. So we, we saw more Frank Kaminsky than, than we necessarily would have uh, otherwise. But I mean, you got to give credit to Mike Budenholzer for for kind of writing the ship after what looked like some pretty devastating coaching mishaps in the first couple series. Yeah, is he on the hot seat still? Not this year, but I mean, I, it's been what th- two, three years of everyone being unhappy with him for the most part. Like, yeah, maybe you should just retire. Um, I don't know that it's getting any better than um, what happened here. But. Yeah. Think, okay, can we can we talk about can we talk about Giannis though? Because I think yeah. um, this is like you know th- this is obviously the series that you know I guess up to this point in his career you know kind of defines his legacy and like you you just almost wonder like what type of player is he going to go down as? Because I can't think of another player like so of, of his. Like effectively of his caliber, of his like specific skill set, like th- there is no, no analog. He's he he's like he, he's like a big guy, like a Kareem will, you know, whatever. But he's like his game is athleticism; it's not shooting. But he can do the same things defensively that a big guy can, and to some degree, like some of his offensive game is like a big man game, but some of it is like a a wing slasher. Um, and I just, it, it's just still insane to me that like a guy can impact a game the way he does sheerly just off of like athleticism and yeah. will and like want to, um, and he remained incredibly disciplined throughout the series, not to, you know, be taking too many threes and things like that. And even in a lot of these games when it was crunch time and they needed, you know, kind of. Uh, pick and roll offense he, like it was Middleton kind of running it not him and I think that is tactically how the Bucks needed to win the series and they did it and for him to just embrace that is I, I, I am in just awe of, of Giannis and what he did this series 
Yeah, no, same same here. And I think I think the big and we always knew that he was capable of like a physical like series like this where he was able to I mean, I mean, maybe not to the degree of all these 40 point games and making 17 of 18 from the line in game six or whatever it was. But um, I think that we we knew he had the physical tools to dominate. I think the biggest step that he took in this series specifically was, like you said, just knowing when to pick his spots and when to I mean, not to take I mean, well, there was a game against the Nets. I think he took eight threes and like. not how you like that's not how he should be playing at this stage in his career um but he he really was disciplined with picking his spots for shooting versus getting to the basket versus distributing and i think that says a lot that you know i think in an interview i want to say in the hawks series after middle one of middleton's really good games he was like yeah that's who i look for in, in the in the clutch like you know because he can make that shot and knowing as as the unquestioned best player on his team, knowing when to say that and when to actually make that pass is is as big as anything else because it shows a willingness to trust your teammates who can get the job done. Well, and the thing that the thing that's interesting, like tactically too, is they're at their best when he is the screen, like not the ball handler. Like mm-hmm. that's that's when he like he gets what do you think three to four buckets, three to four just easy dunks a game just off of kind of quick pick and slips to the yeah. to the rim you know if not dunks like you know fouls that lead to like cuz cuz that's his easiest way to gain an advantage um but like the rest of his points kind of come from you know his quickness in transition you know post feeds and picking matchups it's just insane to me that that someone that isn't actually like skilled as a shooter or a ball handler can can literally like dominate a series like that, and I think um, I I don't know like I mean and even zooming out like I don't know if you know like draft strategies are going to change to think that like players like that can you know become these legitimate superstars, but uh, like it it also kind of begs the question of like you know can Giannis like keep this up um, and for how long because his game's going to age probably a little bit worse than some of the superstars that we're used to, um, which, you know, I mean, it's crazy that we have to think this way, but like with the max contracts being shorter, like the Bucks window is the rest of his, his extension. Um, and, and after that, they're going to like, they gotta, you know, they're gonna have to think about how their team looks when Giannis isn't physically able to do what he did there because he's not going to be like LeBron or Kobe, you know, who have these step backs that can kind of help get them their, their points. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an interesting point. I think we'll, we'll, you know, delve into that over, over the years, as we know, this podcast will live forever. Um, So, but yeah, I, I, I think that's, that is an interesting point because it's like, it's so just unlike anything else we know as, as a like actual superstar, but I, to your, to your larger point, I think like, you had to get pretty lucky with this. Like he, he like clearly had the talent, but he was willing to work like ridiculously hard. And that's not something you find in everyone. And I mean, it's a testament to him obviously for putting in the time to develop not only his skill set but his, his like body and be able to take that level of physicality up however many notches. I mean, it's, it's off the charts. So yeah, I think, I think it's a, it's a, an inter- definitely an interesting question, but I think, you know, just looking at it, I mean, it made the it made the Suns 
the, if we if we bring it back to the series, like it made the Suns have to totally change up their defensive plan because Aiton didn't start on Giannis. I don't think. I don't think he guarded him for a couple games. Um, right. I don't. I mean, I think. Well, it it was the matchups kind of always got weird because I think he would start on Lopez. Yeah. Um, well, then Lopez started playing less and less too, and they went with Giannis the five for whatever and Tucker, and then guards. So, but it it made I think it made Phoenix just kind of scramble in a way they hadn't had to, uh, even when they were trying to guard Anthony Davis before he got hurt. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, it, it, his, his really taking his game to the next level. And also just like, like, like we've, like we've harped on his just discipline and not settling for shots and just getting to the rim, no matter what, like totally changed the tone of the series. My, I think just last two takeaways on this series. So the Drew Holiday trade obviously was worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked out very well. And I think um, what I, you know, what I hope it, uh, teaches teams is that like there's still a place for kind of toughness, yeah. Uh, and and you know it, it's funny because like Drew is not really even like a point guard, but it it shows the importance of having a good point, like point guard too, or like a de facto mm-hmm. point guard, you know, because he he had some games where he was woefully inefficient shooting, uh, but he made shots when it mattered. You know, he brings it on defense, and he's just a tough, tough player. That they needed him in the net series. You know, they needed him to. Uh, to close out Atlanta, and um, and they needed him obviously in, in Game Five, which was the, the biggest game of his career, and so that that worked out really well. And then I think my number two thing is so um, Devin Booker. I think he's got to be really careful, um, just with kind of um, d- dealing with some of this success that he's now had early in his career. And I, I know I know he's been on a lot of bad teams, but you know, now he's kind of tasted, he's tasted what it's like to kind of almost get there and fall short. And to the end of the, like at the end of the series, you know, he really, um, he really like started to, to get whiny and um, not, not complacent, but just um, like expecting calls and kind of things like that. And he's just, he's got to be really careful because if you let that get to his head, um, I think uh, I think things can kind of go south for for him, especially you know just the the uncertainty. Like he really thrived with Chris Paul, but he may you know like, he may not have him for for very much longer. And so I think there's a risk that you know Phoenix regresses to the to the mean a little bit. And so Devin Booker's got to be careful that he's not a part of that. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I think I think a lot of I think a lot of the and perceived you know whining or whatever i think he's just you know someone that's frustrated as things that have been going well all playoffs just kind of stopped doing so uh so i don't know that i'm i'm necessarily as worried about that but i do i do think it is an interesting point where it's like you know phoenix phoenix put together this team and i'm intrigued to say it to see like i mean chris paul's coming said he's coming back next year but like when he doesn't come back in two years like what you know who who else is taking that next step or how are they developing God uh, campaign, I guess. Um, who actually like played very well throughout the series and has proven that he should stick in the NBA at least for the next few years. But yeah, I mean, it is going to be it is going to be interesting. But I think I think we saw a lot out of Booker these playoffs and and this this season. And I think I, I personally have really liked what what I'm seeing in the in his development there. 
but yeah, I mean, we'll 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 see what happens once, you know, what happens with that post in the post Chris Paul era. Any any last takeaways from you? No, I mean, I think I think we covered pretty much everything I wanted to say. Incredible win by the Bucks. Very very happy for their fans. Um, I mean, awesome. It was fun to see two teams that haven't been in the finals in a long time in the finals, and I think we got a great series. And with that, we hope you will join us in our next episode for the NBA Draft Preview, and we will see you soon.